Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter. That, what happened Saturday, John, was uh, good to see you, by the way. But what, what happened Saturday was, a, that's a month in the making, is yeah. what that was. And it was a um, it was a reminder of, of the joy of a Saturday at the Horseshoe. Whether you're lucky enough to be there, whether you're somebody watching on TV, there's something unifying in it. And um, I, I think I've felt this way. I've lived in the state a long time, and it was it's kind of the one tie that binds is Buckeye football throughout the state. Um, no matter what your teams are doing or your, I mean, God, whatever your job's like, if whatever, on nine times out of ten on a Saturday, Ohio State f- football makes you feel good. And and what we got on this past Saturday was some of that, and it was just damn fun. And it was good to watch a young football team that's just full of exuberance. Um, to me, they remind me, my, my dad raises horses, and they remind me of like a two-year-old that hasn't quite, that's just starting to get broke, that's not quite ready to ride. Um, and yet, I for years, I've seen my dad crawl on them and, um, you know, try to teach them how to handle a rider on their back. And, and they buck, and they run, and they gallop, and they do really incredible things that you that are it's stunning that an animal can do and then really stupid things sometimes they run into fences um and and that that's kind of what that team reminded me of Saturday but for the most part it was just pure joy for me I, you were at the game right you did you did go? yeah I did what did it have that type of uh did, did that type of thing feel like it in the in the stadium as well like a release well, I would agree. Well, yeah, I had some really good seats. I had probably the best seats I have. I I definitely had the best seats I've ever had and probably will ever have because I was on the 50-yard line, three rows up, and one of the perks of having, you know, a wife who has to be wined and dined by insurance companies occasionally is that <laughs> <laughs> occasionally you get perks like that. So, good, it was yeah. it was I mean, being in the stadium it was unbelievably hot. And then intermittently, you know, broken up by monsoon conditions. But the energy was really great. Everybody was really excited to see Ohio State just absolutely like, you know, whip the crap out of this (laughs) misbegotten uh, Oregon State team. And it was fun. It was just honestly, despite the fact that it was a huge blowout and it wasn't all that fun to actually sit in the direct sunlight and just bake, watching the team up close. First of all, just football in general being back is always great. But it was so much fun to watch an offensive like that. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But it was just a fun game to watch as opposed to one of those like dreary late September, you know, 35 to three, you know, beat downs or something like that. It was a it was a fun celebration of the offseason being over and all this crap kind of being behind us. It was a really cool game to watch. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it felt like. And it was, you know, there's, there's so many of these kids we've heard about or um, there's so many interesting stories. So let's just dive right in with with Haskins, who yeah. um, there have been more than a few. This was his day. This was his coming out party. What are he 22 of 30 for 300 and some yards and five touchdowns? I mean, like not just that, though. I mean, it, it wasn't just that. It was it was the rate with which the ball comes out of his hand. It was his ability to identify defensive schemes very quickly and deliver the ball to receivers while they're sprinting. Um it was more than even that, though. It was his command, and and the one thing that I've I've kind of that I was kind of consistent with is I didn't like all the talk about Tate Martell by the coaching staff and how they have to continue to reiterate Tate Martell and Tate Martell every time Haskins comes out. And I, I think I said this last week on the pod, and I maybe would have maybe said it on the on my radio show as well. Um, but but what I said was, um, Dwayne Haskins might already be ten feet tall and bulletproof. In other words, he might be a kid who just walks into every room like he owns it, and that's what he looked like on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, he just looked like he, a guy who walks in and says, "Yeah, I got this." 
and then yeah. he did. You know, that I mean, was, I can't remember a debut like that, John. No, I yeah, really that can't. was my absolute favorite part of the entire thing. I mean, watching this guy, like you see it on television, the guy makes throws and whatnot, but he appeared to have complete and total command of the offense, and it was yeah. really was fun, fun to watch him. Really cool to watch him just have every single bit of it down. And it's not just, I mean, look, they're playing Oregon State. Oregon State's trash. They had one of the worst defenses in all of college football last season. But that doesn't take away from the fact that his mechanics are unbelievably sound. The ball comes out of his hand unbelievably fast. I mean, just like a a shot out of cannon. And he can make every throw possible. So, yes, the, the opponent was not that great. But you can just tell by looking at him that he is already a really polished product. And that that is the best case scenario, I think, for Ohio State fans going forward. Because he just looked like a veteran already, which was incredible. Yeah, it was it's everything that you'd you'd heard about him. And you know, anytime you hear former players or his former teammates discuss Dwayne, you would hear about um, you know, how great of a player just you wait was the idea. Right. Right. And then, and then we did wait, and then sure enough, he was. I mean, he had impossible expectations. Impossible. Oh, yeah. Like there were there were people last year wanting him to play instead of JT Barrett. And if you watched him last night, you said, "Well, maybe he should have." With all due respect <laughs> to Barrett, but just his ability—it's a different offense with him. Yes. Because he can he you can use the entire field. My favorite stat of the game, uh, and I'll, admittedly, I bailed in the fourth because I'd seen enough <laughs> at that right. point. But um, my favorite stat of the game was through halftime he had zero carries. Yeah. Other than, yeah. other than a kneel down, like he didn't run the ball because he didn't no, need it, to. That was what I was afraid of going into, uh, you know, towards the end of August and going into the season is that are they going to make the necessary adjustments to Dwayne Haskins' skill set? And they clearly did. I mean, the guy was, yeah. he was in command of a different offense than what we've seen in the past, you know, three or four years. And that is a necessary change that I wasn't sure that they were going to make. They made it. And obviously, I mean, you score 70 plus points. I don't care what the team is. You've made the correct (laughs) decisions based on your personnel. So guys like Mike Weber having a ridiculous amount of yards, uh, Terry McLaurin, you know, having a great game and receiving. And of course, what Dwayne Haskins did, the offense in general just looked unbelievably sound. And, And one of the things that I always harp on is they looked like they had a concept or an idea of what they wanted to do. It didn't seem like they were just kind of throwing things and and seeing what stick. They clearly had a mission in mind and they stuck to it and they executed incredibly well. And that's, I love seeing that. That is so much fun to watch. It really was. There's a lot of guys that stood out offensively. The other guy I want to talk about real quickly though, is Mike Weber, who to me looks like a Mike Weber who for a year listened to everything that was said about, J.K. Dobbins and that Mike <laughs> Weber was the backup tailback. Mike Weber is not a backup tailback. He, he, it's one A, one B, and and you can invert him however you'd like. Um, but he he looks incredible. I mean, his yeah. burst, the way physically he looks, uh, he looks more. He looks like he's slimmed down. I don't know that he is or not. It's just my perception. Um, and and this doesn't take away from Dobbins. Dobbins is still electric. But what we saw on Saturday was to me looked like a motivated Mike Weber. This is a guy that a lot of us were surprised he came back. I mean, I thought he was going to go pro because the thinking was, well, you got Dobbins there. Let's go make some money. Mike Weber comes back and Mike Weber offensively was probably, I mean, other than obviously Haskins, who was incredible. Weber was the best offensive player on the field. I mean, he just, the burst, it was just incredible to see. And that's a problem going forward. Well, so what's crazy. Not for Ohio State, but for the opponents, because you have two of them to deal with. 
Well, right. And then any one of those guys can bust out for 200 yards in a game. And then that's what's just so incredible about having those. I mean, Mike Weber was a guy, and I was looking at this because he got a lot of carries, you know, against uh, Oregon State. And in the last three games of 2017, he had 21 carries total. So this is a huge bump up and, and you know, ask for uh, production from him. And he responded. And, and clearly, this is a guy who does not want to seed his, you know, 1A designation, I guess. And I yeah. love that. I think that's awesome. I love that he's coming back with a vengeance and he's trying to prove something because that's that's going to make the entire team better. So Dobbins, Weber, whoever ends up getting the lion's share, I just hope that they base it on whoever's, you know, got the hot hand. And if it's Mike Weber one game and it's JK the next game, I think both of those guys can be effective that way because they've shown that they can contribute in other ways. J.K. Dobbins can catch a pass out of the backfield and take it 70 yards, right? And so can Mike Weber. We've seen him do that, too. Yeah. So Well, the other thing is, is we don't have 15 carries from J.T. Barrett. Yes, exactly, exactly. So and those those can now be used. Exactly. You know, so there's not, you know, there's there are more carries to divvy out right. with Haskins. And and right. that's another, another part of this that, that can't be ignored. Uh, defensively, obviously, there were tackling issues at linebacker and in the secondary – those got to get cleaned up. There was a few discipline things in terms of penalties on third downs and stuff that, that, I mean, there were two where Chase Young jumped off sides that were nullified right. by pass interference by Jeff Rakuda. So you had those type of things that happened a little bit. Um, but, but I, I think first game, look, it's 77 31, like it's fine. But the, the, the thing that I thought uh, defensively, like the rush package of Bosa, Young and Jones is just not going to be fair. For, for college football <laughs> there's just not a, i mean and the big 10 looked like crap on saturday i mean we did yeah. we, you can't hide from it it was a really really bad look for the big 10 for all of our talk about the big 10 east being the best conference may turn out that way by the end but this was a bad opening weekend for the big 10 in general and um and i looked at i watched every other team of, of record in the big 10 there's nobody who can block that group no. there's nobody no god no no i mean as far as defensive lines you know, up and down in, in the country. I mean, they've got to be in the top three easily, maybe the best. I mean, you know, LSU is, is really, really good, and they've got some other uh, teams in the SEC that can compete, I think, in terms of talent. But, like, what I thought was really interesting, and, and you kind of talked about some of the penalties with regards to offsides and whatnot, those are things that don't I don't mind as much because that suggests to me a team that is really kind of, you know, champing at the bit to – get something done to, to make plays and whatnot. Those are mental errors that can be fixed. If you're looking at a talent gap, that's one thing. The linebackers, I think that's probably my only real area of concern on the defense, but that yeah. defensive line, even interior, Bob Landers had an unbelievable game uh, in the interior. I mean, that, that defensive line is terrifying. They're absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, no, they are. They and I'm with you on the linebacker. I mean, it, it wasn't good. It really wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't good in the back end either. It wasn't good in the in the secondary. Uh, that I mentioned the penalties on Akuda and those 60 yard plays that are being broke off. I mean, th that can't happen. You can't have those long runs and stuff. So that'll have to get short up. But it's a young team defensively that's coming around, and and I do think that they will get there. Uh, going forward. All right, coming up next, former Buckeye captain Joshua Perry set to join the program. Still to come, ask us anything. It's a wild week one in college football to look back on as well, plus our three things for the game against Rutgers. Before we get to all that, though, we do encourage you to visit 11 Warriors Dry Goods for shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Drygoods.11warriors.com. 
It is with great pleasure that we bring on a former captain and also a, a new television star. Johnny, did you see him last week on the 11 Warriors I did. report by chance? I did. On the web I report did. even. Natural. I told you, really my guy was going to crush it. I knew my guy would crush it. Yeah. No, it was excellent. Yeah, that's what he does. That's that's what Joshua, that you gave Joshua Perry. Um, my friend, let's let's start with your impressions of a 77-31. You played linebacker, so I'm sure that you have some concerns with some of that stuff, but just your overall feeling of the way the Buckeyes played in the opener with Ryan Day. Um, well, starting with the defense, I thought they did a uh, an okay job. And so it's the opener, and you got to consider a few things. Um, you're looking at this defense, there's a lot of new looks. Up front, I think they're as solid as you can get. Probably one of the best D-lines, if not the best D-line in college football between uh, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, John Cooper getting in there a little bit, as well as Draymond Jones, who's a guy who could have left last year, didn't leave, and he's having himself, obviously, he had a great game. I think he's poised himself to be um, one of the top players this year. Uh, moving on to the linebackers, obviously some new faces, and we saw some challenges there. Um, I think just a combination of everything, probably some new looks, um, playing a little man-to-man. Things can get dicey on the communication side of things. Um, I think angles and tackling are something you need to work on, and that's also reflected in the back end of the defense a little bit. Um, some of the longer runs, I think the adage goes, you know, a run of 15, 20 yards is on the linebackers. Anything over 60 is on the, uh, on the safeties. And so you got a question there, um, you know, what can they do to become better at their angling, their angles and their tackling. So that's running to the ball in practice. Obviously, I know those drills out. Um, but just getting some of those communication things down, I think solidifying some of those run fits, getting more confident in their ability as they go on. But he's just a talented team. And then when you look at the offense, what they did was just amazing. I mean, um, Dwayne Haskins looked like he's been throwing the ball around in game situations for years. Uh, got two running backs, you know, uh, Dobbins had a quiet 15 carries. Mike Weber obviously wanted to show people there's a reason he came back and there's a reason why he's on that roster um, playing the type of you know amount of snaps that he's getting. And then the wide receiver group is something different than what we've seen. Those guys look really good running the routes. They look very comfortable. Um, they were catching the ball really well, and they had themselves a day too. Uh, so, you know, moving forward, I think there's a lot to look forward to from this team. Do you think people, I mean, I, I watched this and I was at the game and I was super excited by what I was seeing and I'm starting to extrapolate for the next 10, 12 games. Like, all right, big 10 championship, going to win the national championship. Do people put too much stock in the first game or, or do, you know, based on what we saw is, is that something where fans and, and people who are interested in this team are right to be excited by what they saw, especially offensively. Is that going to be, you know, consistent against, you know, teams with better defenses like the Penn States and the Michigans and so on? Yeah, so I, I wouldn't put uh, too much stock in it. I think there's some value in what went on. But obviously, you know, there's a, you got to play every single game. Uh, you got to improve throughout the year, and you got to be ready for every opponent. But we saw it in some of these other teams' openers. For example, Penn State, um, you know, they were playing an overtime game against a team that they should have, probably blown out uh michigan dropped one a really good notre dame team but they look like they had some flaws and some question marks that they've got to figure out as well um for us i think our offense looked really good obviously that defense wasn't great that we played against but they showed a lot of depth i mean um you know they what they say 10 receivers caught a pass in the game that's kind of amazing um having that amount of depth there uh tate martell was out there putting together his little highlight reel um i think there's something to be said about that uh, now the defense, they got to tighten up, man, because 
some of these offenses <laughs> were getting ready to play down the line. They're going to come. They're going to have a lot of facets. They're going to have better players. They're going to be better up front. Um, they're going to have more depth than what we dealt with on Saturday. But, like I said, I think most of the things are correctable. You're looking at things that aren't uh, – I don't think they're talent issues at all. I think it's becoming more sure of the scheme and then becoming more sure of the technique. Yeah, yeah. I, I, to me, I, to me, I, I said this early in the show, Joshua. To me, they seem like a young colt, um, full of exuberance. That's in the in the process of being, you know, broken into being something that can run in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, that's kind of what they feel like to me. Uh, just so many young kids flying around, and yeah, there was there were certainly some mistakes. Uh, the one I'm I'm really curious about, and and anytime I talk to a former player, and certainly anybody who's been at practice or been around the facility. Um, I can't tell you how many guys have come up to me and said, just you wait till you see Dwayne Haskins, just you wait. Oh, and, 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 and I mean, it's <laughs> been hearing it forever. And you and I on the television show last week, I said, I was worried about the Martell stuff. And I said, unless, unless Dwayne Haskins already is 10 feet tall and bulletproof that he walks <laughs> into every room, like he owns it. And you had a big smile on your face. And what happened Saturday to me was the manifestation of that. This this is a guy who does not lack confidence, and he owns every room he's in. And that's as good a debut from a quarterback as I can remember at Ohio State. Well, I think the record books will, will tell you that that was as good of a debut as we've seen from a quarterback from Ohio State. Um, he got Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, I believe. So that's a really high mark for a guy coming out there in his first start. But, yeah, I mean, anybody who watched the competition, um, and I think it's actually really interesting. So Joe Burrow played really well. Uh, for LSU against Miami, yes, he did. a very good team on Saturday. Dwayne Haskins beat that guy to be the starter at Ohio State. So I think right. that does a lot when you, even, when you even see what his competition was doing elsewhere against really good competition. Um, there are so many things to be excited about. This boy is the real deal. So one of the things, I mean, I was worried about this. I talked about this a little bit earlier too. I was worried that they weren't going to be as willing to adjust the offense to his strengths as you know i felt they should and and clearly that wasn't the case i mean he was throwing around he threw way more than i expected him to do you think let's say four or five games into the season maybe Dwayne doesn't have such a great game maybe misses some throws throws some interceptions do they go back to old reliable where okay we're gonna make sure the ball stays in the quarterback's hands we don't try to throw it around a lot maybe some designed runs are they gonna Uh, stick with this offense going forward, even through maybe some potentially shaky games for him? Uh, I think they're going to stick with what they've got right now. And I think kind of, you know, your your guy, the guy who you depend on to be your quarterback throughout the season, barring any catastrophic injury, really, is he's built for what they were doing and what we saw on Saturday. Right. They're going to want to throw the ball around. They're going to want to get it out in space to, you know, two – of the best backs in America and some of the best receivers we're seeing right now playing college football. You know, they're, they're going to want to get the ball out of his hands because they have the ability to do it, and he is the guy who can distribute the ball like that. Um, I think there are going to be times, there are going to be games, there might be stretches where he's not throwing the ball well and where he might throw an interception or two. That's the nature of the game. It doesn't mean you abandon the game plan. doesn't mean you go elsewhere. I think you got to keep that playbook wide open. And I think one of the, the interesting things, too, um, you know, obviously without JT, they're forced to get out of their comfort zone. But I think that the play calling, too, you know, Ryan Day's out there. He's acting head coach. Uh, Kevin Wilson, he's on the sideline doing his thing. I think they might have said, hey, you know, we've got Oregon State, our offense is clicking on all cylinders. Coach Meyer's not here. 
You know, let's see if I can dial something <laughs> up that I might want to call and see what it looks like. You never know. So yeah. um, I think it, it all worked out at the end of the day, but you just, you just never know. Joshua, it did. Yeah. And you mentioned Coach Meyer not being there. You know, we went through the whole first segment. I didn't, you know, you almost didn't even realize it because of the way that they went about their business. And I think that's a credit to Ryan Day and the way he handled business. And I, and I don't just mean on Saturday, but I mean uh, his press availabilities last week, uh, the way he had the team ready and prepared, uh, the way he handled Saturday, pregame, postgame, during the game. Um, what were your, as you have a vested interest in this program, you've blood, sweat, and tears for this program. What was your opinion of the way Ryan Day handled his business last week? He looked like a true pro and he looked like he was really comfortable and natural in that position. Um, I think he answered questions the way you expect a head coach to answer questions. Uh, even his demeanor, I joked around a little bit on the post-game show, but his demeanor to me on the sideline looked like a head coach. You know, he was chewing out referees, getting after everybody just like any other head yeah. coach. He had his get-back guy pulling him off the field. And so, you know, it's just he looked natural in the position. Um, he got those guys prepared, and I think that's a credit to him. But also you've got Larry Johnson, who's been coaching forever. Greg Shiano was the head coach. Kevin Wilson was the head coach. Mickey Marotti has been preparing teams at a high level for years. So you've got that full combination working together, too. Um, I think he's in a really good position to be successful, but he took those steps that he needed to on his own to make sure that he was doing his job to the best of his ability. Actually, I want to talk about coaching a, a little bit because you, you had Luke Fickle who went out and, you know, beat Chip Kelly in, at UCLA, which is pretty awesome. Uh, went for it on fourth down. Yeah. Not yeah. just beat him. Yeah. Well, what do you uh, expect from Coach Fickle? That's Fick. You know? That's right. <laughs> So I, you know, I feel like one of the things that I was worried about is Ohio State kind of missing a little bit of that. And, and I guess I had a really maybe inside ball question, I guess. But when you've got a new coach at the linebacking core and maybe some, I don't know, maybe some, I mean, he's not new, but, you know, some uncertainty there. What is the single best thing that a coach can do to help a lot of new starters at the linebacking position get acclimated and figure out what they need to do, uh, especially schematically, like figuring out coverages and things like that? Uh, well, the first thing, you you got to get to know your players really well. And I think that is one big difference from um, what Coach Davis did at the pro level where, you know, he, you know guys, but there are so many guys cycling in and out. It's so much of a business that you right. don't know guys. But right. I think you have to really know who you're dealing with, number one. And then number two, um, you let the, the guys up front eat. I mean, you got the best D-line probably in America out there. You let them eat. You let them create havoc, you know, move their gaps around a little bit. And then you let the linebackers play a little bit patient when something pops through and get it. And then even if you need to get to this point, which it never got there when I was at Ohio State, but, you know, let your safeties make some of the uh, some of the strong calls and let them make some of the rotation calls so linebackers can think about their assignments. They can get downhill and play fast instead of having to think too much pre-snap too. But like right. I said uh, – Ohio State, I mean, when I was there, they talked about the linebackers not being a great group, and then by the time I left, linebackers were one of the strong points of the defense. It all takes time. These guys got to settle in. they got to get their experience. Joshua, in talking to you, you've, re you've referenced several of the other games. You, you've taken in a lot of football this weekend, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, yeah. which, I mean, we all, I mean, I, I watched so much. My kids don't even know. I, don't, I can't remember my kid's name. I watched so much football this weekend. But um, <laughs> what, what else jumped out at you? Uh, across the the nation, as as you watched the games, were were, were teams? Were, did you see any teams that were better than you thought? Teams that were worse? Anything shock you around the country? Oh, it's about what I expected for the first week of football. Um, you know, I was obviously 
really happy to see what Coach Fickle did going out to Los Angeles and beating the team coached by uh, Chip Kelly out there. Um, that's a great seat, and I think that he's finally getting some of the guys he wants around his program, so I expect to see a trend with them. Um, but, you know, I mean, you saw the guys handle business that you thought were going to handle business. Clemson goes out there and they do what they do. Alabama goes out and handles business. But on the flip side, too, in some of these top 15 matchups, I think we saw uh, some teams where, hey, might be a little bit questionable here, um, a little bit of sloppy ball there. But, again, you know, say the same thing about us on some of the things that we did. We got to tighten up. Um, that was week one ball. You want to see the improvement. So I think next week's the one where I'm really going to tune in and I'm going to make my comparisons and say, did these teams improve from practice? Did they really break down the tape and work on what they needed to? Or are these teams maybe somewhere where we have to ask, are they what we thought they were? Thank you for your time, my friend. We'll see you tomorrow on the on the television show and uh, on the web report as well. Thanks, buddy. Can't wait. All right, don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast cast um all right let's before we go to ask us anything let's go around the the nation a little bit um and well you know the interesting thing was um we we should address this quickly but um were you surprised that urban released a statement friday (laughs) uh yeah a little bit i don't really know why he would do that i don't know what that i do know why i do know why he would do it well why why would why he he, because he's fighting for his football life and yeah. and he's he's in a foxhole and he's barricaded in Mirfield and he's he's not less you know because he's watching he, he, urban has always been a national perception guy and he yeah. hears the national stuff nobody locally was still talking about this thing like it was done and and so he felt like he had to address it um and and he's in a foxhole and so he came out swinging um you know, that that's why he did it. I, I thought I understand why he did it. I get it. You know, damn it. Do I get it? I mean, he's fighting for his reputation, his family's reputation, his football life. I get all of sure. that. And the last thing Urban would ever want is to be tied to being someone who covers up that. Um, and he didn't cover up that, according to the report. Um, and so that's why he did it. The timing of it was dreadful. It was dreadful. I mean, 24 hours to kick and, you know, it was finally going to be about the players and then you had to be sidetracked. And um, I actually think it then became a bigger story on game day, like ESPN college game day. I don't think it really would have been talked about much. I mean, they would have previewed the game and said Urban's not there, but it wouldn't have been a whole segment. But that's why I don't Um, know why you do it. Like, just leave it alone. I'm telling you why he did it. Yeah, no, it was over. I know. But he did it because he's listening to these national voices and he just feels like, you know, but it goes to just a lot of how badly all this stuff went for a month that they would have these press conferences and we'd have to have 16 clarifications of the press conferences. Right. Um, right. It, it wasn't good. It was, it was, it didn't, I understand why he did it, but it's not that somebody next to him, uh, there's gotta be smart people next to him that could have said, coach, you want to do that? You do it on next Tuesday or you yeah. do it Wednesday. You don't do it 24 hours before a game. Um, yeah. So I, I didn't like the look of it. Um, all right, let's go around the country. I I got to tell you, I am um I'm shocked at Michigan. I I'm shocked <laughs> at at how piss poor uh they are offensively. I'm shocked at how um how much discipline they lack. I mean, it's so many penalties. So many penalties. It's not And I'm just shocked at where they are as a program. Like right. this is year 4 and I'm one of those guys who I, I want Michigan to be a worthy adversary. I have no interest in Michigan being Iowa. 
Mm-hmm. I d- and I saw Braylon Edwards tweets. He's right. There's no difference between uh, Michigan and Iowa at this point. And are you comfortable with Michigan being Iowa? And if you're a Buckeye fan and you say yes, okay, then that, but then you also have to be okay with it not being the greatest rivalry in all the sports because right. it can't be both. It can't and be I, both. And I've, I've talked about that to some extent on the website and people said, good, I don't want, I don't, I want them to be terrible. I want them to be completely irrelevant. Okay. Well then you, your kids won't hate them. Yeah. That's because that's irrelevant. Exactly you can't said. hate that's irrelevance. Exactly what I said that at a certain point, it's not going to be anything like you're not going to care. No, and if that's the game, right. So I don't look, I, you know, I've, I've, for 11 Warriors, I have watched and written about Michigan, I think four out of the eight years that I've been on the site. And I've watched a lot of Michigan games. And it really is a weird experience because it's not fun at all. <laughs> it's, yeah. And I don't, I don't mean that in the sense that, you know, like, oh, man, I really wish Michigan win. I don't really care most of the time whether they win or not. But the games themselves are these dreadful malaise filled events where you're just kind of like puttering through three and a half hours and and wish you were doing anything else. And it seems like the team feels the same way. And they lost against Notre Dame by, I think what, like seven points. Was it a touchdown? Mm -hmm. I think it was like 24, 17, 24, 17 at no point did they seem even close to making that a game, right? No, they, they were never a threat to win. Absolutely not. And it was just a incredibly atrocious game to have to sit through. And I'm going to have to do it, you know, like 11 more times this year. And it's garbage. Like, I I am baffled that a guy who is supposed to bring in so much excitement and fun to Michigan has apparently been consumed by the darkness, by the pit that surrounds that program to the point where he's now become a part of it. And it's just, it's not fun to watch. It's not fun to watch. And I just don't know if it's, it makes you question him. Yeah. Uh, because I, it's like his, you know, I know they have talent. I know their defense. I, they're going to have kids drafted. Sure. Um, and, and you just question his aptitude, I guess. I suppose it's fair at this point to question yeah. it because, um, you know, this is year four and, you know, everybody knows his record. I mean, the, he's nine and nine in his last 18. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, that's some Brady Hoke stuff right there, at. man. Like, I'm yeah, sorry. That's, that's where we're at. Like, that's not, that's not great. That's yeah. just not great. And so. It, this was a brutal weekend for the Big Ten. And I don't understand. I, I don't understand uh, like Ohio State fans who root against the conference. Like I saw all these people hoping for Appy State to beat Penn State on Saturday. And I thought you do realize that if we that that if first of all, there's two it's so many factors to this, or even Michigan State almost, you know, struggling with Utah State. If the Big Ten East is garbage. If Penn State loses to Appalachian State, and if Michigan State would have lost to Utah State, and Michigan's already lost, if all those teams have a loss by week one, that means when Ohio State plays them, those games will matter less. Right. Okay? So that also takes out your margin for error. So when you lose a game in conference that you're not supposed to, like last year at Iowa, you cannot recover from it. Right. That's because exactly You do right. not have a strength of schedule. And right. it waters down the league. I yeah. mean, no. I don't understand it. I do not get it because like the on this one, the SEC has it right. Like in the non-conference, we're all in it together. I don't look, I don't 
necessarily root for these teams to be great necessarily, but I want them to be strong. And, and for the exact reason that you just pointed out, because I want Ohio state to have the best strength of schedule, the best wins to be able to get that seed in the playoff. And I don't, I mean, selfishly, like I also want to watch some interesting football. I don't want Ohio state to blow out every that's team by 70 part. points because that's, there's no fun in that. That's not interesting. Well, the best game John, last season was Ohio state coming back and beating Penn state. That was the best game. Yes. They, it was the most entertaining game. And that's if right. Penn state sucks and they're Owen 12. I guess maybe that satisfies whatever, you know, rivalry itch you're trying to scratch. No, but it's you know, not. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Worse than that. Don't you like going to play Penn state? with all the lights on bright and a whiteout yes. and it's number five against number three. Exactly. Isn't that fun? Isn't it that is. more fun than playing if you're three and they're not ranked? Right. Like, which right. do you prefer? Don't you want your team on the big, I want Ohio state on the biggest stage ever. Then when they're on the stage, you want them to win, but yeah. I don't have any interest in them beating up a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. I don't either. I have so no interest I, in that. The big 10, the big 10 needs to get it together. They came in, especially the big 10 East came in with the biggest hype possible, best division in football, blah, blah, blah. You got to beat Appalachian State <laughs> better than that. I mean, Appalachian State's getting better. You can't take them, let them take you to overtime, right? No, like thank God they got out of it, Johnny. I mean, right. it could have gone the other way. I mean, now that right. they've won, like you'll forget about it because they've won. But if they hadn't won, it would have been something, it would have been an albatross around the neck for the whole season. And same yeah. thing with Michigan State. Yeah, Utah um, State. So, I mean, and I love Utah State. I mean, I've been on the Utah State Aggies bandwagon for many years now, but you can't lose to Utah State. Like, this no. is not something you can do. No, not so. a good look for the for the Big Ten. Uh, pretty good look for Joe Burrow. Joshua talked about it earlier. They didn't really need him to do much, but he was incredibly competent. He audibled into the plays that led to touchdowns, including the 50-yard yes. run. Yes. And what was what's really cool to me is – if you were watching dual screen, like on television, and then also on on Twitter or whatever, and you saw the way former players um, were so happy for him, oh yeah, it just I speaks to who he is, yeah, as a person, right? Yeah, no, I I love the fact that he had so much support from you know Ohio State players and and everybody getting really excited for him doing well. And he he did all right. I mean, he was not helped out by several key drops from LSU which no, is really no. I mean they're supposed to have a great receiving course so that kind of sucks uh but you're right yeah he he played a really if not spectacular really competent game and he, it was clear that he had really good command of the offense and he's gonna be their dude going forward I don't think there's any reason not to think that he's got a pretty good lock on that job so no, and great no. of course a great game from LSU just completely annihilating Miami which I think a yeah. lot of people were surprised by yeah, yeah, the way they handled their business. All right, uh, do we, we have time uh, quickly for any Ask Us Anything, if you have any, my friend, this week. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, if you guys want to ask us anything, you can send us a question to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast. Our first one here is from our good friend Alvin. He just wants to know simply, uh, Raising Canes, overrated or underrated? Properly rated. Yeah, yeah. Properly rated. Really good. 1,200 yeah. calories. You know what you're going to get. Um, I put, I think Canes of the, of the chicken finger world. So like, that's like Guthrie's Canes. Who else is in that world? Is that Zaxby's? Yeah. 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 Popeye's hot chicken or yeah. Hot chicken takeover or whatever they call it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's properly rated. It's pretty good. I mean, it's a good sauce. It's a good, if I'm in the mood for that, which happens once a year. And it, and I get it. It always delivers properly rated. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It it is exactly what it says it is. You know what I mean? Like they, you want chicken? They're gonna give you some fried chicken. They're gonna use some pretty decent dipping sauce. Yeah, uh, it's good. It is what it is. I think it's good. I don't think it's incredible, but I think you know it's it's a fun. It's a good place to go every once in a while. I like it. Um, and the pantheon of you know fast food. It's not in my top five, but I like it. It's it's good. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, all right. So this next one here, this is from Brian. He wants to know what are our thoughts on day and the coaching staff wearing black on the football game or during the football game. And, uh, was there a subliminal message in black versus the traditional white worn by urban Meyer? No, I don't think so. I think urban, the way that I remember it, well, Fick always, Luke Fickle always used to wear black. Basically they just want to contrast yep. with the team Jersey. It's what it is so that the coaches stand out. But I remember Luke Fickle always wore black. Um, and then he he would wear black home or away. But then I think Urban changed it to where coaches wore red on away games. Um, mm-hmm. So then he would wear – then they would wear white or you know, whatever the hell it was. But um, I don't think it was anything. I think Ryan Days always wore black, and and so that's why he wore it. I, I don't know that it's anything more than that. I wouldn't read any anything into it um, in terms of a protest or anything like that. I, no. I, I don't believe that was it. I wouldn't either. I just think it's stupid because I was at that game and I wanted to die. I was reapplying sunscreen literally every like 15 minutes and it got to the point where <laughs> it was just running down my body in, in like a torrent because my sweat was just, ta- it was disgusting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how I, it, it looks like, I mean, they sweat obviously, but I was dying. Like I felt like I was physically dying sitting in those bleachers and I had to, I was concentrated so intently on the field because I didn't want to think about the fact that my skin was burning off of my flesh. Like I was really, (laughs) really upset by how hot it was. And I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at the Oregon trainers and of course they got that fog machine and whatever. I don't know how much it actually helps, but yeah, it does. It does help guys. The coaches for Oregon are all wearing black. Ohio State's all wearing black. It was it's a sharp polo. I like the you know kind yeah. of grayish black with the black lines. That looks cool. But I hell no, I'm not wearing that. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's 115 no. degrees on the field. I'm not doing that. No. Um, but I thought it was a good look. And in Ryan Day, yeah. you know, as people were saying, you know, he, the guy looked like he was he he was meant to be there. He did a great job. It was it was really cool to watch him perform and. Hopefully he sticks around, but that dude is destined to be a head coach really soon. So, yeah, no doubt. Uh, All right. So that's ask us anything, guys. Please continue sending those in and uh, yeah, we'll keep answering them. All right. Time for three things for this week's game with Rutgers. I will lead it off. Um, To me, as I watch game one, you know, there's a million things, but but I think the overwhelming theme is that this is very clearly Dwayne Haskins team. And so I just want to continue to watch him grow and I want it to where, you know, in the next week at TCU, I mean, it's in Dallas, probably a 50 50 crowd. Um, that that he really is is starting to to bubble, and that by the time you get to Penn State at the end of the month, that's a guy who who is really on top of things. And I think we're headed in that direction. I I just want to see him continue to get more and more confidence and more and more sure of himself, if if that's even possible based on what we've seen in the opener. But I I really want positive momentum going forward with Haskins. Yeah, my first thing I I would agree with that and to build off of it i would say that i want to see them take some more chances deep they did that a couple yeah. times and i thought that that's was cool point. but i want that to be a part of the offense because i think that's going to be the final like the final thing that really makes it go uh i, I want to see him take some chances deep number two for me i will have some tolerance 
for broken plays and 31 points given up and and long runs in week one, I will have less tolerance next week. So linebacker safety, shake the dust off, take proper angles on tackles, wrap up, take people to the ground. Um, It was a pretty sloppy tackling performance, you know, in the, in the back seven on, on Saturday. It just simply has to be better. Yeah. My second thing is I want to see, I want to see JK Dobbins in this little, it's not a fight. I'm sure these guys get along great and everything's, you know, copacetic in the uh, run back room, but I, I want to see JK Dobbins throw a bit of a haymaker and see if he can get back into it. I want to see him try to rush for 200 yards. I want to see uh, if he can respond to Mike Weber having an incredible game and, and maybe, you know, remind people why he rushed for 1400 yards last season. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, for me, it has nothing to do with football, but what I want to see uh, when my man 33, James Laurinaitis, is introduced as a an Ohio State Hall of Famer, he is a great human being. He's a great yeah. husband, a great father. And I can't think of I can think of few people who represent Ohio State better than he has as a player and as a human being. And I want one hundred six thousand people screaming their screaming their their heads off for that guy uh, oh, you're when, when he's I mean, introduced. You're gonna get it. <laughs> I feel like I will, and that's what I want. Like I, I mean, I to me, like he is the personification of what you want in an Ohio State Buckeye. And it's interesting because I think Malcolm Jenkins is too, and they're both they were both in the same class. You know, yeah. like both those guys. When I think about how proud you know, I am to cover guys who played there. Those two are at the top of the list. And I'm lucky enough to do a radio show with him now, but um, I really want that place to just erupt when, when his name is said out loud on Saturday. Yeah, that's, that'll be a really cool moment. James Lauren. And, and not only that, but just go back to your radio show. I mean, he's also, I feel like a natural at that. I mean, the guy comes in and he's really just easy to yeah. listen to on top of it. I mean, he does a good job. I, yeah. I mean, I get pissed when people are that good at that many different things, but you know, <laughs> apparently I always get on him golf, about the golf because he wants to be able to shoot like right. 80 and I'm like, <laughs> you can't be good at everything. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, my third thing, you know, I, I kind of want to see, it's going to be fun to see Chris Ash come back to his old stomping grounds. I think that'll be kind of an interesting thing and, and hopefully Rutgers loses by 50. So that's what I'm going. For. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the big 10, big 10 has got to have a better week, buddy. I mean, they yeah, they do. Week. They really do. That was brutal. That was a yeah. brutal week one for the big 10. Thank God Penn state handled their business or we really could have been in trouble if they would have lost in overtime. And we talk about not having a big game at all in the big 10 this year. So at okay. least that's still been, uh, that's held together and Pence. Hopefully that'll still be it. Although they play Pitt this weekend. So who the hell knows, but hopefully that, that game's still two top 10 teams by the time we get to the end of September. Um, all right. One game down, a lot more to go. Good step out of you, my man. We thank our good buddy, Joshua Perry for stopping by as well. And we will talk next week right here on the Dubcast. Yep. See you next week.